Welcome to another edition of Art Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. I'll be joined today by my co-host, Aaron. We're doing an interview with film producer, director, and actor, Kevin O'Neill. You're going to hear an audio clip from one of Kevin's films. You're also going to hear a 30-second sponsor message, and then we'll get right to our interview. All of today's music is provided by Stream Beats. Again, please stick around for the interview after the sponsor message. Thank you. now I buried him yesterday I didn't know Logan's had that dog since he was two years old how am I going to I love that dog I'm sorry It's okay to cry. Try breathing in. Out. Slowly. Welcome to another edition of Art Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. I'm here with my co-host, Aaron. How you doing, Aaron? I am just interesting. How are you? You're, you're just... Okay, let's let's take that apart. Uh, no, don't. You're just interesting? <laughs> just interesting. <laughs> That's it. There, there you go. I'm just interesting. That's I'm not... I'm nothing else. Nothing else at uh, the moment. Wow. I may acquire... So you're, a, so you're a favorite among scientists, is what you're saying? I, perhaps. I, I might be one of those case studies. They're studying you. <laughs> I'm, stu- I'm being studied by the stars and scientists. Wow. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this. <laughs> and go how s- are you? I'm gonna make this go as fast as possible today, <laughs> so that I can be in another room. Away oh. From- okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I uh, did not have beans for breakfast. I do know that you do science experiments because I've seen inside the refrigerator. <laughs> so. Hey, you know George Carlin was correct. Okay. I love George Carlin. He's a great guy. Um, if you if you uh, George Carlin uh, if you find a uh, couple of uh, if you find some food in the refrigerator with uh, with a beard on it and then you find an empty plate that means something on that empty plate ate <laughs> or no you find an empty plate you, right. you find that means something ate whatever was on that i was not plate. a george carlin fan until you until you started because i just oh. did, i just didn't there i always was a uh, stephen wright fan and um, oh, Stephen's great. i always liked um i can't think of his name but but i didn't for whatever reason i didn't listen to george carlin but then the more that you would laugh about a certain joke oh he was then like, i would go listen to that joke and i wound up listening to more george carlin and actually like him better now than when he was alive well i think that not. i think 
that uh, since George Carlin left, the whole world went to hell in handbags. Well, he brought up, <laughs> he, he made a lot of, of, of really, I mean, he made statements that would be relevant right now. Absolutely. You know? so, no, he, I mean, ma- he created a balance and he also lightened the load with humor, you know. So, uh, yeah. Anyway. But let's move to okay. our guest. We have a guest today. Yeah. Kevin O'Neill. Kevin hey. is a uh, film producer, director, and an actor. And he should be on the line with us. Are you with us, Kevin? I most certainly am. And are you kidding me? George Carlin died? Yeah. You didn't know that? I knew I knew that. I'm just I was yeah, gonna you say knew, you knew that. I was gonna say <laughs> well, I want what you're smoking. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but so Kevin, uh, let's, I want to make sure because we want to direct people. I was looking for you online. Mm-hmm. First thing I found was your just doing a search was your acting IMDb, which is quite extensive, goes all the way back to 1981. But I noticed that when I search for Kevin O'Neill, director, producer, there's a couple of Kevin O'Neills out there. So I want to make sure that people go to the right. <laughs> Are you able place. to search right are you able to search right now? Uh, well, what I have... In, if you just type in Kevin O'Neill Productions okay. without, a, without an apostrophe, kevinoneilproductions.com uh, is my webpage now. I used to be Olive Ranch Road Productions, but I, I don't know. I won't explain it, but that's what I changed over to just this year. Okay. I noticed, um, and, and um, before we talk about Kevin O'Neill Productions, what was it like working on all those soap operas back in the 80s? You know, it, here's the funny story about that. I, I didn't think I was a soap actor. And um, my friend, Ryan, or no, 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 my friend, uh, Randy from New York found out his agent was moving to Los Angeles because she represented Jason Alexander. And Jason had just gotten on to the, the show Seinfeld. Okay. And so she came to LA and she met me and she was this real, you know, New York, you know, yeah, New York, you know, smoking all the time. Kevin, listen to me, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> she would say to me, and she'd say to me, she met me and she goes, oh. You're a, you're a soap actor. You're a soap actor. And I said, oh, no, I've never really. She goes, no, no, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You're a soap actor. Yeah. And I almost ended up taking over the role of, um, of uh, I forget the character's name, but it was on All My Children with Suzanne Lucci. I actually went to, uh, to New York and read with Suzanne Lucci. Mm-hmm. And I almost took the role, uh, Tad. I think it was a Tad or they made the actors. It was, t- it was so many years ago. But she pushed me heavily. She said, that's where you're going to want to go. You know, film and TV, it's so fleeting and so hard to do. Soap, you can do it for five, six, seven years and, and you'll make, you know, $500,000 a year because you, you get your rate and then you go on cruise ships. And she was telling me this whole thing. I'm like, wow. Yeah. So I, I ended up getting shoved into, so I did do a lot of soaps. I worked with Boris Baba, all of the, you know, the big soap people. And um, I don't know what it back then in the day, I always felt soap to be very contrived. The performances were very contrived. Yeah. Uh, I never felt like it was real or genuine. And when I watched actors try to be, you know, pull from reality, it just, it, they, they didn't stay, you know, because mm-hmm. they didn't fit in the puzzle. I, you know, I, I couldn't, the reason I couldn't watch soaps really was because I knew that they rehearsed literally like right before they shot. Oh, no, and they block and shoot. They block and shoot. Block and shoot. And you it, literally it, walk on set. Yeah, yeah. They it, block you and you you shoot it's there's it, no there's no rehearsals that's right <laughs> yeah it felt like it, it yeah. felt more like to me anyway like a play in a way yeah. uh and and the only soap that i ever really liked was dark shadows remember dark oh, shadows? i love that show <laughs> i actually had a picture of jonathan jonathan what was the the vampire's name jonathan um you've got a better memory than me i didn't even yeah remember. his name was jonathan something and i i remember sending off for this thing and i kept it almost my entire life so i lost it in a box of things that i lost moving from la back to florida huh. box of all kinds of really important stuff but um but yeah jonathan the vampire uh i had his picture i loved 
loved that show. And I was scared to death of that show at the same time. Yeah. If it came on and my mom was gone, I would turn it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid of it. Well, I grew up watching uh, I grew up watching Dracula and Frankenstein and all that stuff. So that's why I was interested in that show. And you know, I think it was on later in the day or something. It wasn't like a daytime soap, you know, it was on I think it was a nighttime soap or something. I but, it was four o'clock in the afternoon. Or was it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But um so I have a question okay, for go you. Ahead. Go I ahead. have a question for you. Um so now I see your IMDb it says uh, visual effects supervisor. Are you local 44? Or are you, uh, what's your, or what is, uh... are you looking at the right Kevin O'Neill? I'm Kevin J O'Neill. I don't think I have visual effects supervisor on. Board. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. I'm Kevin J O'Neill. There's another Kevin O'Neill and I think he's Ryan O'Neill's brother. Yeah, I, re- I saw that online too. That's why I was saying it, it created some confusion. Yeah. 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 And so we, we talked one day. To kind of clear up, you have some of my credits, I have some of yours, but I'm Kevin J. O'Neill. Um, Sorry. <laughs> so it's not, you might have the wrong guy. My bad. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, Dan had it up on, on his iPad. I, I brought it up on my phone. I was just listening while you guys were it? talking. Yeah, but she, th- there's another Kevin O'Neill who maybe looks like he could be your brother, but, uh, <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> but it's not, it's not you. Um, so, so the uh, soap acting, um, and then you also did, because you have that, and, and what you were talking about earlier, I too really didn't like, you know, when I was younger, I was looking for an agent. And so a friend of mine, I think it was Dan Bradford, or I forget which one of my friends that was an actor, maybe it was Jeff Amberg. He was an actor also. Um, I went into the real estate business, but he was looking for an agent. So he said, hey, can you go with me to read a scene for this agent? Because I want to try to land this agent. I said, sure. So I go with him. I'm reading the scene. And the agent is uh, Jim Bridges, who's Todd Bridges' dad. Oh, yeah. And so I'm sitting there reading for Jim Bridges and he, he looks at Jeff and he goes, OK, I'm going to sign you. And he looks at me and he goes, who represents you? And I said, nobody. I'm, I'm in I'm in uh, Lonnie Chapman's theater company and I'm, uh, you know, and I told him what I was doing, but I was just getting going. I was in a play or something. And he said, what's your background? And I said, oh, I'm half Welsh and, you know, my mother's. Hispanic and there's some Apache Indian mixed in there. And he went, you have, a, you have Apache Indian? And keep in mind at the time I had, you know, short hair. I was wearing a cafe shirt. I was wearing nice slacks, black shoes. I didn't look anything like a guy you would cast as an American Indian, an indigenous person. Right. Oh. And uh, he said, oh, perfect. Come to my office. So I go to his office and he signs me and he said, you're my Indian. And I went, what? And he goes, you're my Indian. I said, I don't know. I, I can play all kinds of roles. And he went and he said, no, no. So he sends me on an audition i go on the audition and there's a panel of people sitting at a curved table and they've got a boom box sitting there and they said okay and keep in mind i'm dressed like this you know you're going to go out in la for the night or something i don't look at all like i should be doing this audition so he, they said okay here's what we want you to do we're going to turn this hopi indian music on and we'd like for you to do an interpretive dance i responded to them oh by God. i responded to them by saying you guys are having a lot of fun with this one aren't you <laughs> and they said what do you mean i said a i'm not doing an interpretive dance <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and they they said listen since you're here and i go are you serious and they went well you're here and i go all right turn the music on and i did you what did must, it? what must have been the oddest you know <laughs> whatever <laughs> but they kept doing that they're like oh you're this or you're that and i'm like why i mean you know they put they made john wayne into an asian at one point so why are you 
pigeonholing yeah. me into, you know what I mean? I, I never got yeah. that. But uh, um, but anyway, so moving on from your uh, soap opera acting, uh-huh. uh, you also did film work as well, right? Yes, I did. I did. I did. Uh, I did some tell. You know, they were never really big, big roles. I did day player or not day players in TV. That's day players. I did, uh, you know, featured roles and things like that in films and uh, television shows. Same thing. Television series. Same thing. Um they were like, you know, a couple of days here and there. That's why my agent didn't want me to do television and film because she said that, you know, you get on a soap and you got a contract for three years, you know, right, right. And, uh, and that's guaranteed income for you. And uh, yeah, so it's it was it was definitely the right move. But getting in, you know, again, the, the Suzanne Lucci um all my children thing was one of those once in a lifetime things where the guy left New York, went to, went to California to be a film actor. And um, what they ended up doing was casting a guy from New York. Thank God, because that Mike, that actor, Michael was his name. I think he went back to New York because he failed in film. He went back to New York within like three months. So the guy that signed a three-year contract, that contracts, those contracts are only good as long as they want them, not you want Mm -hmm. them. Hmm. And uh, he was out in like three months. So I would have moved to New York, not packed everything and moved there, but moved and literally been sent back home after three months. So it's it's kind of good it didn't happen. But that would have been a, a life change opportunity it would have it would have i probably i don't know if i would have ever gone in the direction of being a filmmaker or being a well director. it's interesting it's interesting to me because it seems like the um that environment would be a great training ground much like theater or like if you look at all the guys from snl you know mm-hmm. they're all making films because if you can handle the pressure those guys are under making a film must seem like i mean it's got to still be hard work but it must be a complete departure from being thrown into that blender you know when you're same mm-hmm. thing with soaps i would imagine if everything's last minute and if you and as, as you know from theater you and i've known each other for a long time and i think matter of fact i'm not sure how long we've known each other but uh met during didn't we meet during uh, knocking them dead or something like that did you do knocking them dead so you were in um you were in renegade and yeah. so you're an american renegade okay so that was david cox who i'm still yeah. facebook friends with him okay. um that was a great theater company we started the noho arts district in north hollywood and all of that stuff you know but yeah so uh, that was uh, paul murray's production right uh knocking them dead was that paul murray i don't or I'm, I'm, oh man i'm thinking of a different a different production yeah, it's an older it was an older man okay and it, okay and it happened to him yeah it's just been so long it's been so long yeah yeah, yeah. paul murray was connected to paul gunning which by the way Paul Gunning and I are still really close friends. And so are, uh, I don't remember if you remember Tammy and we did a play called Baby Dance. Yeah, I remember that. Sure. Of course. Yeah. That was supposed to run for uh, eight weeks and we, and we got rave reviews from Dramalog and Variety and everything. And so it ended up running a year. Yeah. Dramalog. I haven't heard that. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Is that even around anymore? I don't think so. Hey, the backstage has taken over. But uh, uh, that play you're talking about, didn't I do, uh, was I on the lighting or sound or something? It seems like you were. I, I just remember you being around. Um, yeah, I was I was involved. I just don't remember how I was involved. Yeah. I might have been, on, you know what? I think I helped with the stage on that one. Oh, you might have. That was a big deal. Because that the was stage. that thing. Yeah. Well, they had a stage that you you just swung it. 
and it became the either the apartment or the hospital. Yeah. Was and, that the play uh, where the wall fell down? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> there was a there was a play. There was a play at that theater. And God, what was that? I think Sean, you know, Sean Maloney. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sean Maloney was there and some other people were there. I just talked to him yesterday on Facebook. But yeah, we're doing this show and there's a movable wall or something. And when they went to go do it, the whole wall just, oh, no, it didn't fall down. The whole wall opened up and was left open. And oh, so- it wouldn't close. Yeah, it wouldn't close. That was sitting. our show. That was our show. Yeah, and they're doing the scene, and we're, we're, the all, scene. Yeah. we're all we're all horrified on the crew because we're going. Yeah. This whole wall is open, and the audience is sitting there going, "Oh, that's interesting. Is that supposed <laughs> to happen?" <laughs> you know, no, that looking, happened. we had to we had to keep going. It was really. I remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this crazy. isn't this is an audio podcast, but to give you a visual, if you're thinking about this, the the imagine being in a play and you're watching the play, and all of a sudden a wall opens up, and you see some guy sitting backstage smoking a cigarette, and some other guy mopping or something. It was that kind of a. It was that kind of a thing. <laughs> so uh, I got a funny uh, story. I got a funny story, man. I was doing a play in Orlando when I moved back here, and there's a there's a there's a, a rotating stage, and it actually rotates, and it becomes a whole new set, and then they just rotate rotate it back. And I had it timed. I had a quick change, so I had to get off stage, and there was a team there waiting to. I was as soon as I came off, my pants came off. They had somebody there. I jumped in the pants. They took my jacket off. I put a coat on, and I went from being um, a Southern man into Germany, hmm. uh, like Nazi, 19 wow. years later. Like, wow. And I'm talking 60 seconds is all I had. Wow. Well, what happened is this one time, and we've been doing it so long, there's a trap between the, 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 the sets. So if you go, if you don't get through, you get into a tunnel, this little passage. Hmm. And I was literally feeling around in the dark because the lights are off. And I'm feeling around and I'm going, hello, hello. Mm. Wow. And finally somebody goes, oh my God. Kevin. And I went, yeah, somebody goes, Kevin, he's over here. And somebody came over with a, a, one of these razor blades and cut down <laughs> and opened it and pulled me out just so I could get in. The set, the scene went on, on stage. <laughs> I'm supposed to be there. The actors start ad-libbing. Then when I went on, I had to ad-lib. It was really crazy. That's nerve-wracking when that kind of thing. Oh, I mean, God. I was, in, I, was, I was in a play one time in Palace Verdes, of all places, in this little tiny theater. And I got um, Lou, what was his last name? I can't think of his last name. But I got him a part in this play, but it was the biggest part in the play. It was uh, it was the haunting, you know, the haunting of Hill House oh, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And so uh, so the, the professor in that play has monologues that are like, you know, four paragraphs or whatever. Yeah. And so... I I mean, I'm probably exaggerating, but they're really long monologues. And so this, I didn't realize this guy that I, I got, I helped him get the job in this show. He had, his memory had gone. He was like, so we're all sitting on stage. He's got this huge monologue coming up and he's just staring at us and he's not saying anything. And if you've ever been in this position before, your heart feels like yeah. it's going to pound out of your chest. And I'm looking at him and I remembered his first line and I said, Hey, weren't we going to talk about the whatever? And he goes, Oh, that's right. <laughs> and then he, went, he was so relieved. He's like, I remember now. And then he did his whole monologue. But uh, you know, I wanted, you're, not an actor, you're not an actor until you go up on stage on, on, on and lose your lines. You're not an actor because until you do that, you really don't know what you're going to do. The thought that goes through your mind at times is to walk off stage, get in your car and just drive home. I mean, there's literally that kind of a terror because you really can't remember. You have yeah. no idea. Either I, mean, I, was, I was in... Um, I was in Milton Katsalas's class for a yeah. while and I we all had to come up with a, a monologue. And so I did, uh, I think it was Time in the Conways by J.B. Presley. And so I'm standing there and I there was something about the play that was very close to my life experience. And so I started and I, I had the whole thing memorized and everything. I was all ready to do it. And all of a sudden it just, I blanked completely 
blanked. Wow. And Al Mancini was there too. And they both made me stay there in front of the audience on stage. And they said, you're going to give us a performance. You're mm-hmm. going to give us a performance. And so they made me perform. So I actually had to, <laughs> I had to, uh, what do you call it? Um, when you <clears throat> ad lib. Yeah. And so I had to do that. And I, and then I, and then I finished and then I actually was able to segue back into the monologue a little bit, remember pieces. And then I, I finished it and they, I got a standing ovation, (laughs) you know, because I, I made it into something and, but they forced me to do it. And it just was the most, uh, um, and there was a lot of like, the class was very emotional. They, they allowed you to they, they brought you through emotional stuff too mm-hmm. so to to work because it's very cathartic acting you know and you as it you know really is. it is it's a lot of life-changing things i mean i was in uh ned mandarino's acting class and he coached john malkovich and at first i thought here's this kind of demure or i don't know what the right word but he was a very calm very passive guy and i reached that same point because he wanted me to do shakespeare so he had me doing you know the balcony scene from romeo and juliet which was just I was, you know, I grew up in the South. I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm an actor and I trained and I studied and everything, but now you're, you're throwing Shakespeare at me. And I was just, I did not want to do this at all. And so I got up on that stage and I was just doing all these things that didn't belong and everything. And I sat down and I, and my attitude was, I'm going to give myself credit for just doing that. Mm. But he looked at me and he said, um, yes, Daniel, um, while you were doing your, um, uh, work, your upper lip was quivering and moving around and <laughs> I'm what is the, what was that about is that intentional and I went uh I, I was really nervous and he looks at me he takes his half glasses off he puts his mouth right on his microphone because he stood up at a podium and he went fuck nervous like that <laughs> and I I started wow. shaking I was like what uh, and he went and 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 there were people that he did this to that left and his attitude was you need to leave i yeah. stayed and he said you're an actor <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. and so uh so anyway but listen we're we're running out of time and we've been focused on the past i want to talk about the present and the future okay. yeah and, you're producing yeah Kevin. so so uh, I'm writing wow. directing i writing and directing producing now amazing yeah. I've seen how, how I've exciting. Seen, well, well, I mean, I, I get your updates and you're constantly sharing either uh, something you're working on, something you've already worked on or some new idea that you have that you quickly put material together for. Did you just do letting go or is that? No, we didn't do letting go. Um, the most recent thing I did was a film called Resemblance, which was about the Holocaust. And, oh, wow. Uh, wow. and we won 39 awards with that. Wow. Yeah, we went to Monaco, we went to Italy, we were in Sonoma, Breckenridge, and Soho, all during this COVID thing, which was really interesting, big festivals, and I I got to see some incredible work, but... Um, yeah, I, and now currently I have uh, two television series, one called Gone Dark that is uh, we wrote during COVID. Actually, actually, I wrote the feature version of it, and it was just too long. It wouldn't end. So mm-hmm. I started working with a friend of mine from Los Angeles who's actually friends with Eddie Jemison, who the clip you played uh, mm-hmm. from Undertaking. He's really good friends with Eddie. And I'd gone to him to, to play a role in the film. Turns out he's an experienced, very experienced screenwriter. And so he and I wrote during COVID the entire year. We wrote nine episodes. and wow. we we were able to get it into Steven Soderbergh's hands wow. uh, and some big executive producers who really wow. gave a great feedback. None of them said, we'll take it. But there's another production company right now, big one. 
um, in Los Angeles that we, we, I have a curator here who puts together projects for them hmm. and I'm meeting with him actually next week. Uh, he's already, he already is aware of the project and he's hmm. interested in it. And hmm. it's just one of those things that if that took off and I was a creative series, that is a life-changing, obviously event, you know, um, um, that's, Ke- yeah. Kevin, let me ask you, um, because I mean, editing and, and producing a podcast, I didn't realize how much time was involved and time consuming, but what you're doing, I'm just sitting here trying to imagine how in the world do you find that manage your time? Maybe this will help other people who are trying to make things work in this way, but how do you manage your time and then schedule everything and make it all work so that it all falls together the way it does? Because again, just doing what we're doing, it's turned out to be a much more time consuming thing than I expected. Well, you know, I am a multitasker and I don't rest easily. Um, I work on a lot of projects at the same time. So currently Mm. I just wrote a feature version of my film resemblance. Mm. Um, I had a kid who's an Indian actor come to me who wants to uh, do a feature film. His father wants to fund this idea that I came up with. And I literally threw together the concept in a week, an entire from, you know, all three acts ready to go in a week, the concept, and I could write it in two weeks. Um, I just don't, I don't sit idle very well. If I'm not working on, if I'm not doing anything, I'm writing. And I have, I've written seven features. Um, I've written 14 short films. I've written two series. The one I just told you about gone dark. I've written another one called Grace's Diner, which is more of a faith-based piece. Um, And I just, I don't, I don't sit idle. I mean, I, 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 I've got a little one called Kite that um, I'm going to do. It's actually the shortest thing I've ever written. It's three and a half pages long. Hmm. It's an all Asian cast. And it is about a man in his last days of life. You won't know that watching the film, but it, it, it in essence, the story is about a man. And the, and it's, uh, it is, uh, at the same time, you're watching a butterfly uh, going through you know, the transformation and the wow. idea of this is a transformation. It's a beautiful, beautiful little story, very little dialogue. And it's, I think it's going to be very powerful. We've got some really great um, special effects people. Cause there's some, let, things let me, going. let me ask you a question. So I didn't, I didn't think about this, but, uh, and, and we know people like, you know, Aaron knows uh, the Wexlers and there's these other uh, people I've got dis- that I've got distri- uh, distribution. Yeah. But what I was going to say if was, is that do you, um, do, well, he's got, but do you, um, sure do you ever have people approach you and say, well, you've got all the complete package you need to shoot a film. Can you shoot a film for me? And they provide the script and they provide the budget and everything. Or is it a scenario where you are doing your own thing and not really being hired by anyone that way? Is that, would you say that you do both or are you only, I I can do both. I can do both. The uh, so first and foremost, Aaron. Yes, of course. I'm always open to distribution. That's that's first and foremost. Yeah. Um, secondly, uh, there are times when people come to me and say, "Can you write something for me?" And then I'll sit and like this woman who wrote a novel about her life and mm-hmm. a tragic story, and she came to me and she wanted me to write something, and, and I will do that. Or they'll come to me and say, like this Indian kid. This kid just got an engineering degree from UCF hmm. and father paid from it from India. And of course, right now, India is in bad straits, man. They're, oh, yeah. It's horrible what's going on there. Yeah. So the kid said, you know, do you think you could do a, he wants to he wants to become a U.S. citizen. That's what it boils down to. Hmm. And even though he had an engineering degree, he doesn't want to become an engineer yet. He wants to pursue acting. He's still young enough and he's a good actor. And he came to me, he said, could you write? a story for me. So I sat down with, because the budget would be pretty low. It's not what I would think I could do a feature for. And I went to my DP, Ryan, who actually shot Undertaking and Man in the Woods. I don't know if you saw these films. Mm-hmm. And Ryan said, you know what? If we run and gun like they did on No Man Land, like, I don't know if you know that, how they did that, but it was literally the director, a right. camera, 
crew. I mean, just literally not a crew, a camera, a mm -hmm. guy with a light and a boom mic. And they went and did it. And he said, you know, if we did that and I looked at him and I said, I would love to not have a grip truck on set. I would love to, do <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. just get it. And so I was talking to Eddie yesterday <clears throat> and I said, Eddie, I said, uh, how things going? And we were talking and he said, oh, you know, things have been really slow and I don't know, you know, stuff. And I said, well, you know, dude, you're going to work. Don't worry about it. And I said, you know, we just need to make a script about you. Let's talk. Let's do And we spitballed a concept. Right. In 15 minutes, right. that incorporates John, my co-writer of the right. series, into, I mean, literally in 15 minutes, we, we got, and I already have a title and I've already got, they would come out here and we would shoot going down nine, uh, I, a US one. We'd stop at the old hotels. We'd use the old stores Perfect. and literally it's just going to be, we yeah. run the store. Hey man, we're just going to shoot this thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That you can keep very low. Yeah, yeah. you can. Because you're not talking about hiring a big crew. Now, here's where we save our money for. This is what Ryan and I talked about. We still got to have great audio and we have professional audio guys. We still got to have incredible edit. I've got a guy who works currently on uh, Mayans. He's done Sons of Anarchy. Hmm. He did my film hmm. resemblance. Um, but we need to have a great sound design team because you can't send anything out unless it's it's top shelf. Everything has to be top shelf. Right. right. So it's got to look good. It's got to have. Um, it's got to have a great story. It's got to have a hook. It's got to have. You know what I mean? It's got to be original. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I. So my answer to you is this: is that. I do it all. I do whatever. If somebody comes to me and says, I have no idea, but I want to do something. I'm, the reason I wrote a story about this kid, the way I did, is he wants to be an actor. He has an engineering degree and he has an Indian accent. I can't get away from that. That's Ooh. that. You know what I mean? It's there. Ooh. So I wrote the whole story. It's a beautiful story. It's a really beautiful story. And I wrote the story that makes him featured the most in it. But the girl that I have, unbelievable girl from Orlando, who's going to break eventually. She was just on the series Right Stuff. Um, she's wow. really talented. Yeah, incredible. And um, I think that this thing could be one of these indie festival darlings that just, and I've never done one. I'm always doing these big, you know, big, big team productions. It, it costs 30000 to make a right. short film for me. Yeah. 30000 wow. for, you yeah. know what I mean? I'm going to have three times that to do a feature. Hmm. Right. So, I can't drag a career around. I just can't. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want to ask you, I want to ask you, Kevin, because we're, we're running out of time, but uh, you also okay. did a project with, uh, we were talking about Eddie, uh, is it Jemison? Eddie Jemison, yes. He was in Ocean's Eleven uh, films. I worked on Ocean's it. Eleven, 12, 13 years yeah, in. Reason, I worked on Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, the reason I was going to ask is because Aaron was on the crew of Ocean's Eleven. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, must have met Eddie. Yeah. 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 Aaron's been on the crew of like, you know, the mentalist and the voice and she's been on all these big projects. So she's been have at it. For ever met, have you ever met, I don't mean to stop you, but have you ever met the director who does a million little things is a student from full sale. She's an executive producer now on a million little things. Oh, that's, um, oh my God. The yeah. Shoes, uh, uh, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> right in the of the show, it's so hard to think she of. She did our, our mentalist. She was our, yeah, uh, I was just going to say, when you said mentalist, she was on mentalist that's, that's, as a uh, producer. Oh my God. That's okay, Aaron. I mean, yeah, I, I know. I know. I know I, Having a brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, hate yeah, it I worked, happens, with, I worked I was... with her for three years on that. Yes, she was she's great. Amazing, Chris amazing, Long, amazing. Chris Long made her one of the the co uh, producers. You yeah. know, like yeah, she was wonderful. She's amazing. She's really blown up into an amazing director and executive producer. Yeah, wow. Yeah, we watched her um, get married, and you know, we we were a family uh, on on the Mentalist, and we were the same crew that did five, uh, five years before that on um, Gilmore Girls, and then we moved. You know, so we went from show to show to show, all all the same crew same family you know and, wow. Ke and kevin before we run out of time you mentioned faith-based and i wanted to ask you how much uh that plays a role in the work that you're doing 
Um, you know, I, I am not a fan of Christian films. I just feel like they're very restrictive, their belief. In other words, you can't go outside of this. You have to say Jesus. You have to, sure, I mean, sure. you just have to really hammer home this stuff. There's there's an audience for it. I'm not against them doing what they want. It's not something I like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I'm a Christian, but I don't want to get out and, and pound people in the head. Because my belief is, is that if you want people to find Christianity, they're not going to come forced. They're going to come because they're, they're, they want to come. What faith-based is for me are projects that, and I've written a couple features, is just a story about a person or a series as this is Grace's Diner is a series that is so powerful that you love the characters and then you buy into whatever happens and and again it's 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 not about it's just about who they are as people yeah they exemplify they exemplify Christianity without having to drop to their knees and say it and throw their hands in the air well I think you're going to get a lot farther with real life situations that have a message which is what a lot of filmmakers do I mean they don't come right out and say it but at the end of the day if you look at the message of their film it could easily be tied to faith or recovery or or something like that and as a matter of fact quite often you hear discussions about recovery or you'll see a film start out where everybody's in an AA meeting or you know whatever it is but it like you say they're not hitting you over the head with it it's just part of a story and and that could help somebody because you know uh, you know the person could see that and go oh, I want to check that out and find out what that's about you watch the movie Schindler's List Oh yeah, that is a to me a faith based film because and it's not, but that's what it is because this Schindler has a complete epiphany in his life and goes because he met this one man who happens to be a Jewish bookkeeper mm-hmm. because he meets this man he decides I'm going to save him and then he and then he's like well. I can save another person and another, and that is a Christian act. That is oh, sure. happening. And that's not a Christian film, but it, but to me that I got that from that story. That's a great yeah. example of what I'm talking. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. We are, we have gone over. I could, <laughs> I could sit here and talk to you for two I hours, know. to be honest with you, but uh, you got, you, you, just, well, let's do it again I, what's that? Let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. When I think about all the stuff you're doing, I'm jealous. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, because, you know, my my uh, original desire was to, you know, make films and do all, all of those things. But of course, when you have kids come into the picture and then you have some major illness happen or there's all these things that can get in the way of it. And then then as I got older and uh, the kids became adults, I thought, OK, now I'm getting back into it and I'm really going to put a lot of energy into it. And boom, COVID hit. Yeah. And so I was literally just getting back to reaching out to agents and all that stuff when COVID hit, you know. Really? So, yeah, I'm still I'm still in the Screen Actors Guild and all that. And I've still kept up with everybody. But uh, I got full I went full time into the art industry uh, after our son was born. And Aaron said, I'm not living. I'm not raising a baby in an apartment. And so I <laughs> needed to buy a house and the acting jobs were like $2,500, then two weeks of nothing. And then a thousand dollars and then three days of nothing. And then, you know, and it was this sporadic thing and I needed more steady work. So I just went full-time art and did part-time acting, but, um, but I've never, never lost the desire or, you know what I mean? It just, it's in your blood, man. It's not, it's not something we're creative and it's just, it's in our blood. And even though Aaron is doing production, um, she was an actress and she understands. uh, Oh yeah. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron did voiceover in uh, cartoons and animation. Now I do production management. So now I'm a bullet shield. Oh, <laughs> manager I'm a pin cushion. I have the biggest respect for you. That is the toughest position in filmmaking. Kevin, if you saw, I, I, we got, we got to wrap it up. But if you saw Aaron when she was nine months, I mean, literally ready to deliver a baby standing on a movie set with no megaphone screaming back to one. You know, 
she was first AD on this on this horrible movie called Manosaur, where I was an actor in it. I mentioned oh, yeah. this. I mentioned this in another podcast, but they put blood capsules in my mouth that were so old they didn't create blood; they just foamed up. Oh, God. <laughs> it was it was you the worst. Footage of that? You have footage yeah, of that? that um, yeah, that Manosaur, alone. Really? I wonder if there is footage of that. Yeah, oh, that you got to find that, dude. That's not. It was it was literally it was literally like a Halloween dinosaur mask. The guy was a dinosaur, and he had these claws, and he, and they would cut to and he would they would they would start the scene with him coming at you. And then cut right to you laying on the ground with like claw marks on your face because they couldn't show him actually attacking no, you. <laughs> you no. know? So, so anyway, we've got to wrap see, it up. The thing with the thing with being a, a, a production manager is I absorb the bullets. So if something right. goes wrong, if I, I'm standing before the producer yeah. <laughs> and, and it's right. been interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I learned something from Aaron. I learned something from Aaron and, uh, that she learned on the in, on the set, and that is is that if somebody says to her, like if a director says, "Aaron, I need this flag or whatever it is," and somebody got in her way, she would say, "I'm on a mission," and she would just keep going. And I like that attitude. So if you're doing something and someone's bothering you, you can go, "I'm on a mission," and you just <laughs> you call know. it setting boundaries. <laughs> you, know? you know what? I could do that at Full Sail. I've been teaching at Full Sail for 14 years. That's oh, a great wow. thing. Somebody, oh me, I'll walk right by me and just go, "Hey, I'm on a mission." I'm not, get out of my way. I'm on a mission. You know, yeah. we could we could do a whole show on that. I I, that. I didn't even get to that. So full sale. That's no, I've been at full sale 14 years. That's a whole. We have to do a whole show just on that, guys. Okay. We're gonna have to re- we're spoke, gonna have to revisit. She spoke yeah, so highly did. of it um, on the show. She spoke so highly of uh, full sale. She's uh, so great. That's so great. Is it yeah. me, 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 me? Or uh, why am I? I don't know. But if we don't stop talking, I might do some serious editing. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have well, to take well, out we every. Can talk, we can talk another time off the show. Let's just get okay. together and talk. Absolutely. About Let's yes, do that. I appreciate it. Hey, I really appreciate you participating. Thank you very hey, much. Thanks for having me on, man. This is fun. Of course, and. Okay, everybody. We're going to talk it. about Linda Nelson. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's it I for today. I just throw that in there. That's it for today. Aaron, final words. Keep the art. <laughs> <laughs> keep the what? Keep the create. Keep the creativity flowing, baby. Okay, I will. Kevin, <laughs> final words from you. You guys are great, and I really appreciate the time with you. This has been fun. Thank, oh, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Awesome. We're All on right. it. All right, everybody, uh, look on our website, artworkpodcast.com. I'm going to update it soon, I promise. We're going to have, because I I add everybody that's been on the show to that website, so I put their content on there and links and all that stuff. So I'm going to do the same for you. And also, too, in the description on our main page uh, and anchor, you're going to find Kevin's links. And also on iHeartRadio and all those, if you are on one of those services, and if it's not a link, just copy and paste it into your uh, search bar or whatever, and it'll take you to whatever service that you use. Okay, that's it for today. Until next time, see you later, Kevin. See you later, Aaron. It's been great talking to you guys. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks. Until next time. 